0: Grace and peace to you all, and welcome to the Calvary Road with Pastor Sam Allen.
1: So he's standing before Pilate, and, and Pilate asked him, Are you the king of the Jews? You was emphatic there. The, the idea being, are you? I mean, you don't look like a king. You don't act like a king. There, there was something about him that was different. But Pilate had never seen anyone like Jesus before. And, and so he's like, Are you the king of the Jews? He answered and said to him, It is as you say.
0: Today we begin a new message that spans the entirety of Mark chapter 15. The message is entitled, Golgotha, and it covers the trials of Jesus and his inevitable crucifixion and burial. In part one, Pastor Sam will look at the first 20 verses of Mark 15, so let's get started.
1: The title of our study, Golgotha, it's a place we would have never heard of, never known about, never cared about, if it were not for the fact that our Lord and Savior Jesus was crucified there. So we pick up in chapter 15, verse 1. Immediately in the morning, the chief priest held a consultation with the elders and scribes and the whole council. And they bound Jesus, led him away and delivered him to Pilate. Jesus last night, pause with me for a moment, began with a Passover dinner. Then he was in the Garden of Gethsemane where he prayed, Father, if there's any other way, let this cup pass. Nevertheless, not my will, but yours be done. He had told his disciples, devastating them at that dinner, that one of you will betray me. All of you will forsake me. And when Peter said, all doesn't include me, he said, you, Peter, will deny me three times. All that's happened at this point. Jesus has been arrested. The disciples all fled as he said they would. Judas betrayed him. Peter denied him. In the midst of those first three trials, two took place at night. They were all religious in nature. First before Annas, father-in-law of the high priest. Then before Caiaphas, who was the current high priest. And then, well, uh, Annas, Caiaphas, and and then ultimately in the morning, the Sanhedrin. And uh, they charged Jesus with blasphemy. It was a a spiritual charge, a religious charge. And in fact, let me read it to you. The question that was posed to him is, are you the Christ, the son of God? And Jesus' response to that was, I am. The charge then was blasphemy. And by the way, that would have been a proper charge with the serious penalty stoning If he were not who he claimed to be, if he were not the son of God, the only begotten son of God and God, the son. So his three religious trials give way to three civil trials. The first before Pilate, Pilate does all he can to to. Well, get himself out of the situation. His wife, having warned them, have nothing to do with this righteous man. Uh, He he realizes in in interviewing Jesus and, and interrogating him that Jesus has done nothing wrong. And he says so over and over and over and over again. He finds out that Jesus is from Herod's jurisdiction and sends him to Herod. And listen, while Jesus had little to say to Pilate, he had nothing at all to say to Herod. He's the only person in scripture to whom Jesus refused to speak. So Pilate's guys abuse Jesus a bit. Herod's guys abuse him more, sends him back to Pilate. And uh, well, those two trials, the first, these first five verses, uh, not much said about it, but not A lot was said at it. And then verses six on, we'll see his last trial before Pilate. So he's standing before Pilate and and Pilate asked him, are you the king of the Jews? You is emphatic there. The the idea being, are you? I mean, you don't look like a king. You don't act like a king. There, There was something about him that was different. But Pilate had never seen anyone like Jesus before. And so he's like, are you the king of the Jews? He answered and said to him, it is as you say. And then Jesus, John tells us, went on to say, my kingdom is not of this world. No threat to you. I'm no threat to Herod. They couldn't be in a worse situation than the one they were in. They were sinners on their way to hell. Jesus came to die for sinners, even for them. And for all of us, certainly. So he says, my kingdom is not of this world. If it were, my servants would fight. It's an important reminder. We call him Lord. That means we're his servants. And well, Paul will later tell us that the servant of the Lord must not quarrel. That means we're not to argue with one another or with other people. But this is even more. It's because arguing is verbal fighting is often physical and so he's saying if it were like that my my servants would fight so we're not to be argumentative we're not to be physically dangerous to anyone we're to be like Jesus for he's the one we're representing well anyway Jesus said I've come to bear witness of the truth this is John again. And to that, he says, well, everyone who hears the truth uh, hears my voice. Everyone who is of the truth hears my voice, to which Pilate replies, what is truth? And then two interesting things, and we get back into verse three here. The first is that the truth is standing before him. Jesus, the way, the truth, and the life. Your word is true, Jesus Pray, Sanctify them by your word. Your word is truth. The Holy Spirit, the spirit of truth. And so Pilate's asking, but he's standing before the one who embodies truth. And here's what he has to say. I find no fault in him at all. That's the truth. He says, what is truth? And then he proclaims the truth. But it doesn't. Get him off the hook, nor will those who are enemies of Jesus let this go. The chief priest, verse 3, accused him of many things, but he answered nothing. And Pilate asked him again, saying, Do you answer nothing? See how many things they testify against you. But Jesus still answered nothing, so that Pilate marveled. At one point, Pilate says to Jesus, if don't you realize I have power to to crucify you or power to let you go. And Jesus said, you'd have no power at all unless it were given you from above. Well, we see in verse five, Jesus answers nothing so that Pilate marveled. He finds Jesus innocent. He sends him to Herod. He speaks nothing to Herod. Herod sends him back. Verse 6, Jesus' last interview with Pilate. At the feast he was accustomed to releasing one prisoner to them, whomever they requested. And there was one named Barabbas who was chained with his fellow rebels, and they'd committed murder in the rebellion. I want to say not only is Pilate failing miserably to exercise the authority had responsibly and all with authority are to be under authority and all with authority to exercise that authority responsibly. Pilate's not doing that but there's something else going on here. They have a tradition that that at this feast, the Passover, they would let one criminal go. Someone could be as this guy probably was on death row. He was headed to a cross and, and yet Not only is he violating all that's right and and condemning an innocent man, but he's letting a guilty man go free. Now, now sometimes we look at that and say, well, that that makes sense. Jesus is dying for Barabbas like he is for everyone. Here's here's the difference. We're not talking about Barabbas' part in this. We're talking about Pilate's part. And we're talking about how Rome dealt with criminals. Ordinarily, they had a very strict judicial system. But then, in order to appease the Jews, and that's what Pilate's trying to do, he decides, I'll let one go. This tradition builds up. At this point, they're used to it. They're gonna actually request it. So, government created to protect the innocent and to punish the guilty, to protect the innocent from the guilty, from the terrorist, from the criminal. Pilate did neither. There's injustice both ways, in condemning an innocent man and freeing someone who should have been punished for his crimes and sins. Well, the multitude, verse eight, crying out, began to ask him to do just as he'd always done for them. But Pilate answered them saying, do you want me to release to you the king of the Jews. I don't know that I'll remember to point it out, but you might want to take note, put a little note there in your Bible or if you're a note taker on your notepad because over and over and over and over and over in this chapter, Jesus is going to be called the king of the Jews. Pilate already asked him, are you the king of the Jews? He said, I am now he asked the mob and by the way it says they were a crowd I believe they're a mob what's the difference well a crowd could be there for anything a concert a big dinner we had a big crowd up at CMA where all those people came to to be fed on um, Christmas Eve and not just fed physically fed spiritually and then blessed with with all sorts of gifts That was a crowd. This is a mob. What's the difference? That when the the questions are asked to the mob, they don't even hear the question or care to try to answer it. They just continue in the mob mentality and we're about to see that. Do you want me to release to you the king of the Jews? He knew the chief priest had handed him over because of envy. But the chief priest stirred up the crowd so that, He should rather, they should rather release Barabbas to them. Pilate answered and said to them, what then do you want me to do with him who you call the king of the Jews? And they cried out again, crucify him. By the way, John 19, 15 tells us that they say to Pilate, we have no king but Caesar. That is an incredibly blasphemous thing for God's own people. He came unto his own, but his own received him not. This is evidence of that. This isn't a mob of strangers. This is a mob of Jews and and they're his people. And yet they're, they're like, we have no king but Caesar. It gets worse. And I'll show you that in a bit. But that's John 19, 15 if you're a note jotter, they cry out again, crucify him. Pilate says, why? What evil has he done? But they cried out all the more, crucify him. They're not interested in negotiating or, or answering a question like what evil has he done? Matthew 26, 24 says, Pilate at this point goes in, he gets some water, he comes out, he washes his hands in front of the crowd and he pronounces himself innocent of the blood of this innocent, this just, this righteous man. He says, I am innocent of the blood of this just man. Let me just say again, it's not possible for you to condemn an innocent man and being the only one in the position to do it and then call yourself innocent at the same time. To which they reply, and this is one of the worst of all. They say, his blood be on us and on our children. Listen, calling a curse down on yourself, that's absolutely insanity. That is spiritual suicide. But they're calling a curse down on their children as well. There's some good news in all this. Because in the law, God says, I will not punish the sons for the sins of the father, nor the fathers for the sins of the sons. It's so important because a lot of people today are saying there's this generational curse. I do believe that people who are, you know drink too much and we could call them drunks or alcoholics I've lived long enough where they were known as one then they were known as the other and and lest any misunderstand I'm all for AA I'm all for NAY because I'd rather have a sober public than a drunk one I'd rather be driving around knowing everyone in their cars could could at least know the brake from the the you know gas pedal but but in the midst of that what we call it isn't really the issue The the habits may be passed on, but every one of us got to make a choice. And every one of you, if you haven't yet, get to make a choice. God doesn't condemn you because your father was a drunk. He doesn't condemn you because your father was a stoner. Doesn't condemn you because your father was a thief. But you will have to account for all of your sins and and. Or you'll have to rely on Jesus to wash them away, to cleanse you of them, to give you forgiveness for them. Well, I'm innocent of the blood of this just man. His blood be on us and upon our children. And Pilate wanting to gratify the crowd. It's one more point of very practical application. If your goal is to please people, you'll find it very difficult to please God. Why? Because people are fickle and God is the same yesterday, today, and forever. What God said was sin back in Moses' day was still sin in Jesus' day and is still sin in our day. Culture changes, mindsets change. What's popular changes. But but if your goal is to please God, you can actually do that. It's not that difficult. If you want to show him that you love him, Jesus says, if you love me, keep my commandments. I'm pretty sure it pleases him when we show love to him by walking in obedience to his word. Well, in any case, Pilate, wanting to gratify the crowd, released Barabbas, a man who should have been crucified to them. And he delivered Jesus after he had scourged him to be crucified scourging by the way and many of you are familiar with all of this in fact if you've been a Christian for 10 years or 20 years or 30 years or 40 years some of you more well these stories are so familiar you think there's nothing more to learn in them I want to challenge that thought today because it isn't how, how well you've memorized the information, but how well the information has seeped into your heart and began to transform your mind, transformed by the renewing of our minds. It's not how much we know about Jesus. It's how well we know him. It's relational. And I know most of you realize this. I know not all of you realize this. So, Consider it and we'll come back to it. Many men died from the scourging. It was a torturous, brutal uh, tool of Rome. It was actually ingenious and in that the, the, the torture and torment of the scourge was so great that men would cry out confessing various crimes they would committed over the years and it clears the The books of a lot of unsolved crimes. So the first whip lash would come down. There would be 40. They'd leave one off for mercy. So 39. The first would come down. And if the the guilty party cried out and said, "Okay, I did this, then the next lash would be lighter. If he didn't, the next would be greater. Process this for a moment. Think about it. Chew on it. Jesus had no crimes to cry out. He had no sin to cry out. He was tempted in all ways, yet without sin. He did always those things that pleased the Father. So every lash would be greater and greater and greater. Many men died from the scourging, but not Jesus. Why? Because the Bible didn't say he would die by scourging or by stoning or by being thrown off a cliff in Nazareth where he upset the the gang there because he mentions a couple Gentiles at the end of his sermon. No, the, the scripture clearly predicted and prophesied he would die by crucifixion. I gave you an assignment. Not all of you were here. So for those of you new... And the many who didn't do the first in the first place, uh, Psalm 22. You have got to read Psalm 22, please. Not now, <laughs> but but later. Make an appointment with the Lord. Sit down in a quiet place, pray, and say, "Lord, open up your word to me, break my heart," and He will. Psalm 22. We'll come back to it. I'm going to mention it two or three times, but make sure that you familiarize yourself with it. Reading these passages will just come alive in ways you can't imagine. In any case, after the scourging from which many died, they bring him back to Pilate and and Pilate looks at him and he takes him out and says, behold the man, behold the man. Well, then it's like, what do I do with them? They say crucify him. He sends him to do just that. They bring him into the hall called Praetorium. This is a massive palace courtyard They're in the residence that Pilate had in Jerusalem. Ordinarily, he lived up in Caesarea where he had a great palace as well. But um, anyway, it says they called together the whole garrison. Now, a garrison, ordinarily 600 soldiers. So we don't know that he traveled with that many, but at least 300 of them because he's paranoid as anything. The, the, The one thing that was difficult about being a leader in Herod's clan or in Pilate's group is that there were always people at your back. And I don't mean people who have your back, people who are trying to get at you from the back. And uh, if you read the history of these guys, it reads like the Godfather saga. They just die and often at the hands of their own relatives who are just looking to ascend to the throne. So he would travel with a great garrison of soldiers and they take Jesus and all of them are gathered together. They clothe them with purple. They twisted a crown of thorns, massive thorns by the way, not the little thorn on a rose bush which still inflicts serious pain, but long needle-like thorns. They put it on his head and began to salute him saying, hail king of the Jews. And they struck him on the head with a reed and spat on him, bowing the knee. They worshiped him. Now, the worship is a mockery. They're they're making fun of the fact that he's declared himself to be a king. They're treating him like a king, a king that they hate and want to do in and take out. But don't miss this. Those same soldiers someday will bend the knee before Jesus and confess that he is Lord It will be too late for a transformation. It will be too late for forgiveness. But every knee will bow. Every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. To the glory of God the Father. I I can't imagine what that will be like for them. I'll never know because I'll never experience it. When I stand before Jesus, if you're in Christ Jesus, when you stand before him, he's going to say, you know welcome and enter into the joy of the Lord I you know welcome in my good and faithful servants well they mock him they strike him they bow to him they feign worship of him and when they would mocked him they took the purple off of him put his own clothes on him and led him out to crucify him
0: In today's message, Pastor Sam encouraged us to read Psalm 22. Now I'm going to read you part of that scripture and ask you to keep in mind that it was written approximately 1,000 years before Jesus was crucified. As Sam did, I encourage you as well to read the entire chapter, but here are verses 16 through 18 to get you thinking. For dogs have surrounded me, the congregation of the wicked has enclosed me. They pierced my hands and my feet. I can count all my bones. They look and stare at me. They divide my garments among them. And for my clothing, they cast lots. The Calvary Road is a ministry of Calvary Chapel Chico. And you can visit our website, ccchico.com, or download the CC Chico app to contact us and listen to other studies from Pastor Sam.